Hello, hello, hello. So today we've got a very interesting episode with Christoph from Germany. He is currently living in Barcelona, in the same city as I am. We met at a FI meetup and we started talking about real estate and he told me a bit about his real estate company here in Spain. Very interesting and he regularly takes people all the way down south to Valencia and south of Spain to teach them about real estate, show them how their property investing company works. So very interesting. I called up Christoph. I was like, you know, it would be great to have you on the podcast, do a proper real estate episode. And he said, sure. So we talk about uh, how he discovered financial independence, how his real estate company is doing and uh, how can an individual investor get started in Spain. So enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Financial Independence Europe podcast, where we interview people from all 44 European countries, all of them, about optimizing your life, geo-arbitrage and making the most of your money. Dits with your hosts, Alvar, Arminta and Matthias. Frohes Fest! Frohlekeschfest! Merry Christmas and Joyeux Noël! Feliz Navidad! Ho, ho, ho! We start our mega giveaway Christmas challenge. Hello everyone! So yeah, we've got a very exciting giveaway challenge here at Financial Independence Europe podcast taking place in the next three weeks and the winners will be announced on the 23rd of December. But one second, Alvar, why again are we doing this giveaway? Really good question, Araminta. So we actually got a couple of reasons. We would just really like to spread the word of Avai, connect with more people around the EU, and also, to be blunt, get a couple more iTunes reviews. But I'm also curious, Matthias, how the heck do I do this? How do I participate? It's very simple. You just go to xmas.financial-independence.eu and you find all the details written there. And by the way, the more you share, the more love you will get from Araminta and all of us. Yeah, very important. The more you share, the more points you get, more likely you are to win. Woo. And wait, what are you exactly supposed to win? So the prizes are, number one, a free ticket to the Financial Independence Retreat next year. Very exciting. The second prize is one hour of coaching with the one and only Ken, founder of the award-winning site, The Humble Penny. Or you can also have one hour of coaching with us, the Fight Europe team. Third prize is the sustainable frugal package, some cool items from Amazon, very excited, and you will get that delivered at your doorstep. Fourth prize are some hand-picked top financial independence books, and for everyone who enters, a bonus episode for 2019, no more saying anything there. If you want more details, go to xmas.financial-independence.eu and you'll find more information there. Looking forward to hearing from you and Merry Merry Christmas. Christmas. Bye-bye. So, hello everyone. Today we've got a very special guest. We've got Christoph, who lives in Barcelona in the same city as me. We met at a meetup, a FI meetup, and he has a very interesting story to tell about real estate in Spain. So, very interesting. With me today, I've got my co-host, Alvar. Hello, Alvar. Hey, Araminta. And so, yeah, Christoph, bring it on. Hi, thanks for having me on this. Maybe start with how we met each other, Araminta. We met at a meetup organized by a friend of mine, Oana, and immediately connected over, you know, financial independence and real estate investing. And then just did a lot of stuff ever since we met that night. As Araminta already said, I'm living in Barcelona. I've been living here for the past three years, working at a big company, uh, moved here because my girlfriend is from Argentina. So after I had met her two years before we moved to Barcelona. 
we actually were in a long distance relationship and then at some point decided this cannot go on like that anymore. So we chose not exactly the middle between Argentina and Germany. That's where I'm originally from, but uh, agreed on Barcelona as a pretty good home base. And uh, yeah, originally from Germany, but haven't been living in Germany for the past almost 10 years either because I went to the Netherlands, actually, to your home country to do my bachelor's in international media and communication studies with psychology there, and then did my exchange semester from the Erasmus University in Rotterdam, where I did my bachelor's in uh, Argentina for seven months. That's then the loop that closes why I'm in Barcelona now. In the middle, I did my master's degree, which was two years, two masters, one in London and the other one in Los Angeles, also in communications, psychology, behavioral economics, which is another thing aside from investing and financial independence, another topic that I'm very interested in and very curious and passionate about. Well, Christoph, I really love that. And on the terms of behavioral economics, John Kahneman, slow and fast thinking and everything of, I assume you're really familiar with it all. Yeah, I, I read his uh, thinking fast and slow. And also another part of, I think, investing apart from the psychology or the psychological aspect is negotiations, right? Also very related to psychology. Even though we're already negotiating every day in every situation, even though we don't sometimes even don't realize it, when it really comes then to yeah, investing, especially real estate, that is the next level of where you have to really negotiate and where you can create the biggest leverage if you know how to use that into in your advantage without being unfair. How did you came in touch with financial independence? How, when did you first learn about it? Like the whole philosophy and movement? Yeah, it was a little bit random by chance, I have to admit. I guess it was just meant to happen that it found me. I wasn't looking because I was kind of, if you think of the four knowledge quadrants, right, that I was unknowingly ignorant back then still, because I didn't even know that I didn't know that this was out there. Uh, I was born and raised in Germany and um, in a very loving and, and wonderful home and environment, but investing and especially taking risks or taking a loan to do any financial operations wasn't really part of my world or part of my daily reality for most of my life up until the point when I got my hands on some books about changing your mindset. What it really comes down to is not working for money all your life, but putting your money to work. And you probably know which book I'm referring to here. It's uh, probably one of the classics that everybody in the FI world has read, some of them even multiple times, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And that really came out of a little bit of frustration and the realization that I was kind of stuck, that I felt that my day job, even though lots of learnings, lots of good challenges and good day-to-day -day activities, great people, meeting great people, it was kind of creating the feeling that I was very dependent on whatever I was doing, they would call my job and then get my salary each month so I can pay my expenses. But then got a little frustrated with the job itself. And out of that came the realization that, you know, you might not want to do this for the rest of your life. So what are the options? What, how can you create independence? So yeah, that's really how it started. And then after reading these books, after starting the conversation with some of my friends that I knew at the time were a little bit more involved in this whole venture of, you know, investing and especially real estate investing, this is really where I started and where the powerful idea grew 
inside of me that you could actually create a passive income that comes onto your bank account every month without you actively doing anything related to work. And I don't want to say that work is a bad thing. Not at all. Actually, I love putting a lot of hours and a lot of work into something that I really feel passionate about. And I, partly because I'm German, partly because it's in my character, in my nature, I'm, I'm really putting a lot of work into any kind of project that I feel related to or, or passionate about. But it was just the idea that the work or the job as a nine to five commitment that you do and the dependence on your manager and whatever that manager or whatever those people in organizations tell you, you have to just basically do it. Otherwise you will lose your job and then you will lose your ability to lead the life that you want to live. So that was the mindset change, I think, which is still for everyone who wants to get started or who is doing it already or who doesn't even know yet that it's out there and that will be found by this powerful idea is the key. I think the mindset, everything else comes automatically if you have the right mindset. So this was also your reason to get started with real estate as your vehicle to explore like the opportunities to get out of being dependent on others and creating this extra income stream. And where I'm actually really curious on, which is also pretty much going to be the main episode or well topic of this episode, real estate in Spain. So for this podcast, you're actually going to be our first guest who is like completely into real estate. And in the past, we've covered lots of things in terms of like ETF, peer-to-peer -peer lending, stock trading, dividend growth investing, but never before real estate up to like a real focused episode. And where I'm really curious on, uh, can you give us like a brief breakdown of like how is your real estate strategy looking like? What we're really interested in is why real estate in Spain? Like why start with Spain? So could you tell us a bit? Yes, because you're living here, but what are benefits for other investors to do real estate in Spain? Yeah, sure. So apart from the obvious reasons, uh, which relate to certain tax laws and tax benefits that you can leverage and, and take advantage of here in Spain, it's the market, the market that is currently, and we're talking maybe past five years, but actually really all the way throughout the past 20, 30 years was a, a very good market. And that in combination with the legal situation and the relatively easy business that you can do in terms of buying, renovating and selling here in Spain without too much government intervention is what makes the Spanish markets quite interesting. And then in terms of liquidity, there's, you know, good zones and not so good zones. So then you have to still like always make the best decision in terms of where you actually invest into real estate. I would say the tax and the overall government framework that is provided here with uh, little intervention makes Spain quite an interesting market to invest. And then if we go a little bit more into detail, the price difference that you can achieve after you know adding value to an apartment for example by renovating it which some people also call forced appreciation that one is makes it really interesting because there is where you make your margin when you add value to something that you bought for really cheap and then you just invest a little bit more but that investment is just a fraction of the value that you add to the property because that's also in essence your strategy out of blue bricks to buy up undervalued properties refurbish them, upgrade them, and then sell them on, correct? Yeah, that's correct. So the properties that we're looking at, they can be anything from inheritance cases where brothers and sisters uh, inherit a property and then they want to sell it, which gives a little bit more room for negotiation and then achieving a nice target price. Or it can just be 
flats that are owned by people who don't really know what to do with it or don't want to take the hassle of renovating it and then doing all the bureaucratic effort to sell it to someone managing the contractor's uh, renovation and that's a big part as well uh, and then other people are just they just want to get rid of it as fast as possible because they have some other bills to pay and that's where you also can come in and solve other people's problems before really digging into blue bricks because that's really where we're going to look into this a bit later and what you're doing with your company it's really interesting i actually went with Christoph and his co-founder to Valencia last week and it was very interesting. But before doing that, I just was wondering, can anyone just go to Spain and invest in real estate? Or is it anyone in the European Union or international? Or can someone from the UK or from France or from anywhere else come to Spain, be like, oh, I like that uh, property, buy it with a mortgage or with cash? So is, is this something really open to everyone or just the Spanish, for example? Yeah, I mean, in theory, it's open to anyone, really. There are differences in terms of how profitable it is for you as a foreign investor. If you're not a tax resident in Spain, so if you're not working for a Spanish company, then the taxes that you pay on, for example, your rental income or the profit that you make from flipping a house, that means buying it, renovating it and selling it for a profit, those taxes differ. Maybe I can run you through those three different scenarios. So if you are a European Union resident, which I think is applicable to most of the listeners, right? The costs involved in managing a property and then making a profit off of a property by renting it out or flipping it are 19% applicable after the costs uh, that you can deduct from your yearly income. So let's say we have a property where you make a thousand euros per month that would give you 12,000 euros a year of gross rent income, rental income. And let's say you have yearly costs that includes property tax, maintenance costs. And then there's also something called asset depreciation, which you can declare as a deductible of those yearly costs that you have for a rental property. Let's just say you come out at you know, something like 7,000 or 7,900, which is, I think we once did the exercise and looked at what you could potentially max it out to, you could deduct that and then you would pay the 19% on the rest, on the remaining balance, which would be you know close to 4,000 or 4,100 euros, which means that you would roughly pay 800 euros of taxes per year on 12,000 euro gross rental income. That's for EU residents. So that's pretty okay. For non-EU residents, that's changing drastically because then there will be no deductibles and the rate instead of 19% is 24%. And then you're already in the range of, you know, for the same example, you would be paying close to 3000 euros roughly in terms of tax. So that makes it much less attractive for non-EU residents to buy and rent something out here in Spain and have it on their name. However, and that's partly why many foreign investors that we're talking to, which are, who are non-residents or non-EU residents, if they do it through an investment vehicle like uh, the one that, that we created, they have tax benefits again. And that turns out way more profitable compared to doing it on their own accounts. Okay, wow. And it's actually pretty favorable just as an EU resident, say for myself, on like a 90% uh, tax rate over the profits. I think that's actually fairly you know, fair compared to like dividend tax or capital gains tax, wealth tax we've got going on in Europe and also really given the easier access to it versus other investment vehicles. 
But Christopher uh, was also really wondering about how do you find those properties in Spain? Like, what are your resource ways of like finding them and like filtering out the interesting investment opportunities? One more thing that I want to add to what I just said before I answer that question is that as a non-Spanish or non-Spain tax resident, one thing that you have to keep in mind is that you have to apply for what they call a non-resident identification number. In Spanish, it's called an NIE, N-I-E, which can pretty easily be done with any consulate or any embassy in, in any of the European countries. Just online, you make a, an appointment and then you go there, bring your passport and your documentation, and then they give you a Spanish identification number, which is basically your tax number. And with that, you can do business in Spain and you pay, I think, 10 euros to get it. And then you're all good to go. It's good to be aware of the paperwork and it's not like, you know, just an online page, jump into it and that's it. It does require a bit of administration and upfront work to get started, but it, it's good for listeners and people to be aware of that. It all sounds amazing in terms of numbers, but, you know, it does require a little bit of work in that sense. Yeah. Like anything that has a benefit to it, that you have to put some work into it. But you have to be a resident, right? No, you don't have, you, you, you have to be an EU resident, but you don't have to be a Spanish resident. Cool. So I can apply for that and can get it and I can be like, hey, you, here you have 10,000 euro, go and invest it for me. Exactly. Yeah, so no, that's just good to know. So everybody in the EU can get it. And if you're outside EU, other rules apply, which we will not go into detail in this podcast, but all EU residents can get this. Okay, now that's just really good to know. You asked about finding the properties, right? Absolutely. Yes. Where do I find those amazing places or, or how do you get them? Well, there's many layers to that. So we started out by just going online on the main real estate property advertising pages where you can find real estate deals or real estate properties where also the private people go and then we just plowed through them until we found things that looked interesting nowadays i don't know how familiar you are with the go-to sites in spain the big ones are just for people who are interested maybe to check it out the big ones are idealista .es, and then fotocasa dot es and habitaclica.es those are i would say the, the big three we'll put them in that show notes definitely yeah how do we find properties we started out by just going through to these websites and then what happened very recently and that means like maybe two years ago they introduced a lot of interesting functionality on these websites so you can filter the data that they provide and look for specific properties that have specific characteristics. For example, what we liked to do and where we got many of our most profitable deals out of in the beginning was that we filtered on lowest price per square meter. And that means that Idealista or whatever website you look at, it gives you all the properties filtered from top to bottom that apply for this filter with the lowest price for the highest amount of uh, square meters. So then you get a lot of ground floor, former commercial or even industrial warehouses or whatever, which cannot be transformed into residential uh, apartments often. But you also get sometimes in the weeds, I would say, you get distressed properties or properties that are just in really bad shape and have a relatively high amount of square meters and a relatively low price for that. And then it's just making a decision based on that, making a decision based on the location, which you can also see on the, on the website, and then um, going to the property and checking 
check it out in what condition it is and making an offer, which is, you know, mostly going a little bit under the price that is advertised to make the numbers work. That's how we started. And where we are now in the journey is that we created by going to the real estate agents that were advertising these properties that we found on Idealista or the, the online websites. We created a network of many of those agents and they got to know us as people who are serious about buying and who are serious about buying specific products. And some of them realized that if they present us with these products that we're looking for, which, like I said, are distressed properties in very good locations for affordable prices, if they come to us and give us the chance to make an offer on those properties, we will end up buying nine out of 10 times if the value is good and if the numbers work. And so whereas we started out with really tedious, you know, online research and just looking through thousands and thousands of online ads of properties and then making, you know, our own analysis and then going to the properties, making bids and then maybe ending up with a shortlist of 20 out of which we buy one. Now we more and more see that we get the push effect from the network of real estate agents because they know what we're looking for and they know what, that we will buy, that we're serious and we buy in cash. And that's a lot less work for them. So we really were able to create a win-win situation here with the real estate agents that we work together with, especially in Valencia uh, most recently, because they get a property that they have to put online, that they have to take photos of, that they have to show to all the people who are interested. So that's days of work, if not months, if you don't get a buyer who's interested. And they see, okay... I know these three guys, they do property development projects. I can just present it to them, even not put it online. And I know they will hurry by it because I know what they're looking for. So that's how we find properties right now. And then the evolution of that is maybe applicable to our latest project that we did, our first building, where we also, through one of those agents that had just sold us an apartment in Valencia, got in contact with a portfolio manager of one of the bigger families in Valencia. And she is in charge of selling, buying, and just managing the real estate portfolio of that family. And she's good friends with that real estate agent that we've been working with for past year or so. And she had this building that the family wanted to get rid of. If it had not been for our, our collaboration with that agent, and if it had not been for his relationship with that property manager of that family, then we wouldn't have gotten our hands on that building, which was never published online, which probably would have just gone to another contact of that woman. So what I want to say about that is that much more about the network than about uh, doing nitty gritty analysis online because most of the things and we realize that as well most things that are online are the leftovers of the really good projects that you could do and everything where you can really leverage uh, and really create big margins uh, those things never make it to the online platforms and that's also where our focus has been to create and strengthen our network with partners that we can trust and that trust us to you know discover projects before they're discovered by others. It's very interesting, the, the power of network. And it's not just for real estate, it's for pretty much anything in life. So just to give a bit of an idea to our listeners, what kind of numbers are we talking about? So I know the latest one is a building, so that might be a bit unrealistic for just an individual investor just starting out. But at the beginning, what are like numbers in Valencia? What are we looking at in the mortgages? Well, we usually don't work with mortgages. We have only one project where we took a mortgage. But the numbers that we're looking at is that we're looking for more or less 20% 
return on investment. That means that between the buying prices of 60 to 90,000, maybe more recently 100,000, so let's say between 60 and 100,000 euros of buying price for a distressed property, we invest between 20 and 30,000 euros for renovation, and then we sell it for 100. 30 to 150, maybe 160,000 euros in a time frame of six to eight months. And they're normally like two bedroom, one bathroom or like the ones that I visited were a bit of everything. And also you had one where you split it into two. What kind of projects? So the projects are anything above 70 square meters is, is fine. Anything below that is, you know, has to be a special project. And it's the one that you're referring to that we split into two 31 square meter lofts, which I'll explain a little bit more about in a second. But the, the typical case for one flat deals is, uh, like I said, anything above 70, 80 square meters, rectangular shape of the flat, which makes the renovation a lot easier. And you can just distribute it in a logical way. And there will be no complaints later by the buyers, which is also an important part that we're also learning continuously learning more and more about how to renovate to maximize the, the selling value it has to do a lot of with taste of course but you know you want to reach the maximum amount of people who could be interested in buying this in other characteristics are really in our hands because you know we don't care if it has one two or three bathrooms in the beginning or one two or three four rooms we can recreate the setting however we want so on the buying side it's not really a, an important criteria for us how many rooms how many bathrooms what kind of distribution it has that only comes in when we sell it and when we renovate it and sell it when we buy it, we look at the numbers and at the location those are the two criteria that we consult for making the decision whether or not they'll go ahead with it that's good to know the numbers and I also wanted to ask, um, so, and are we talking about only residential or also commercial property? So for stores, restaurants and everything, do you also buy and flip those? Yes, we do. There is a little bit more paperwork involved for commercial properties that you want to transform into residential properties, because then you have to apply for a license to do a change of use, is what it's called here in Spain, Cambio de Uso which has to be in collaboration with an architect. And the architect has to turn in a project with the city hall, and then the city hall has to approve that change of use. But it's possible, and it, we do it. We've almost completed their under construction now, but they're already one of them is already sold. Two ground floor, what used to be commercial stores, into very beautiful and very spacious, more than 100 square meter apartments now. Uh, two bathrooms, three bedrooms, with a little inside terrace. And yeah, worked really well. Added benefit of those, you know, ground floor commercial stores that you buy as ground floor commercial stores is there are two main benefits to that. So the first one is that you typically buy those cheaper than apartments or ground floor spaces that already have a residential license on them because store property tends to be a little bit cheaper than residential property because people you know have to go through paperwork and there are also some costs involved in changing the license from commercial to residential the second benefit is that ground floor apartments in valencia at least so i'm talking now specifically about valencia because that's where we currently do most of our projects you can rent it out as a holiday rental which is a huge added benefit for especially other investors who buy to rent out and also for people who are aware of the value that a potential holiday rental 
could have in the future if they want to live in it themselves and eventually move out and then rent it out and not be constrained by only being able to rent it out to normal tenants, but actually being able to rent it out on Airbnb, for example. So that's the second big advantage that those ground floor stores have. And that's something very specific about Valencia. That's also, I guess, the point that you see a lot in real estate, that if you know the local market, if you know the local laws, if you know the local situation, what you can do, what you cannot do, what's allowed, what's not allowed, then you really can take advantage of a lot of things in your favor and make things work where other people either are too afraid of touching it. Asbestos is another great example, I think. A colleague uh, or acquaintance, I would say, another investor who is specialized in in buying asbestos properties in Barcelona because nobody else wants to buy it. But he knows how to solve the problem of asbestos. He has his trusted network of people who can clean and sanitize asbestos properties in a way that then later they're completely compliant and completely risk-free properties to be renovated and then rented out or sold again. So those. I would say gaps or gray, very dark gray zones where most people are either too afraid or too risk averse to to enter is where most of the times the biggest profits are hidden in the market. And it's a question of finding them. And another example I want to give you, and that is the continuation of your previous question, where you mentioned the apartment that we split. And that's another thing where you can add a ton of value by knowing what you can do and what you cannot do. So we bought in the beginning, well, actually end of last year, we bought a, an attic, a 60 square, 62 square meter attic in Valencia for 71,000. And we went to see the property together with an architect because our plan was to split it into two independent 31 square meter lofts uh, with a beautiful 25 square meter per apartment terrace included. And there's so many regulations that you have to abide by in terms of architecture and distribution of a living space, livable space. You have to look for all kinds of circles that define the spaces that you can't touch, for example, with the door. The door can't go through a certain circle because there has to be enough space in front of the kitchen for the fire regulations to be still abided by. So tons of regulations but then if you're a professional who knows his stuff and who can tell you at the point of you know buying that this will not be a problem to be approved by the city hall later then you can make a very confident decision and you can say okay i'm definitely willing to pay this price even though it sounds a little bit pricey because you know you can make two apartments out of it and each apartment will probably sell for the price that you buy it for later even though you have to spend a little bit more on the renovation because you have to separate those two apartments and create two kitchens and two bathrooms and everything twice but that's you know another example i would say of taking advantage of calculated risk factors that most people either don't know about or are too risk averse to tackle. So, and that's obviously also where uh, Bluebricks comes in. Can you tell us a little bit on the organization Bluebricks and what your own role on it is and like how this can vehicle slash organization can help people to actually get this done? Yeah, sure. Bluebricks is an idea that we had together with a colleague of mine, Irvin Grunendijk, and then 
The other co-founder is Adria Krishel. We're the team that started this together. It's basically just a formalization of our investment activities. That's really what we did it for. And then we realized, okay, now this is something bigger because the idea behind is to create a knowledge community with peers that share everything that has to do with investing, especially real estate investing with each other to make something that is very difficult to achieve on your own possible as a group as a community. And this is really, you know, apart from the investment side where we do projects, many or actually most of the projects that I was giving you as an example, they were done with Blue Bricks and with the legal framework that Blue Bricks provides, which obviously provide a return or yield a return to the people who participate in these projects. So that's one side. But the other equally important or if not more important side is the learning process and the creation process of creating something together and sharing the knowledge that everybody benefits from in the end. So this is really where we think the community aspect has given us so much more than we could ever have hoped for. Many ideas came straight out of ideas that investors that were participating in the projects had. And then it's just been growing and building up on each other over the past year or so. A really, really great experience and, and really excited to see where this is going. A little bit of background information. So we're not officially, we're not legally a crowdfunding organization because the, for you to be able to call yourself a crowdfunding platform or a crowdfunding organization, you have to go through a very lengthy process and register yourself as a crowdfunding institution with the Spanish government. So we're not that. But the idea is similar because we provide spots, participation spots in investment, real estate investment projects for investors from Spain, from outside of Spain, anyone who's interested in learning about real estate projects and seeing the power that real estate investing has to offer. And uh, participations are usually, you know, people just like you guys and myself and Erwin, you've met Erwin as well, Adaminta, who put an amount of capital into a specific project. And then the level of involvement is completely up to the investor. You know, some people are very actively involved in managing everything that has to do with the project from renovation to interacting with the lawyers, interacting with the contractors, selling the apartment. We have had people, for example, give us great inputs and ideas regarding how to distribute the apartment in terms of renovating it and reconfiguring the distribution of the apartment, some uh, interior designs uh, ideas. We have great partners now that want to professionalize the procurement process, uh, wh where and how we buy materials for the renovation processes. Also creating a network of people who spread the word about Blue Bricks uh, within their own networks, because again, you know, we believe in the power of the networks and in the power of trusting people that people who we trust, trust in turn. So it just is paying forward the trust to people that they trust. And that expands your network exponentially at some point. And that's really what we're seeing now as well. And the word is spreading because we are building first reference cases, first success stories, and everybody is seeing that it really works. And also for us, trust me, it was kind of, I wouldn't say a big risk that we took, but we didn't know if it actually would work. We had never done something like this before. That's why we worked together with our mentor, Adria, and who has taught us a lot. But it was really amazing to see that now everybody's kind of seeing that it really works and together with the community doing a lot of projects. Yeah, it's very in inspiring. 
But I just wanted to say that um, I think what I really like also about your about Blue Bricks is how important education is. As I said before, you took us to Valencia and, and um, you're going to do several of these trips. And I like how you want your investors to know what's going on. You take them to their properties. You want them to be aware of what their money is doing. And I think that's a great way to build trust and uh, to educate people at the same time. So really cool. Yeah, and be transparent about it, right? I mean, because I don't know if you guys had ever have ever interacted with real estate agents or with anyone actually really that has to do with selling or buying properties or other institutions. I mean, it's very, very hard to really understand what's going on and your savings are on the line, right? So you want things to be transparent, but it's really hard sometimes to understand what's even happening. We really got frustrated with that. And that's why we want to make it as transparent as possible. And really, like I said, share from the first moment of looking for properties to the last moment of selling the renovated properties. Share everything that's going on and facilitate that people can learn how to actually do it and how it's done so that they can go out later and uh, do it on their own and, and spread the word again. And that, that will create success for everyone because I also really believe in the interdependency in society, you know, because if you make other people successful, they will make you successful and then we're all much more successful together than we would be as individual parts. Yeah, love that. So we've got a few final questions um, we're going to ask you. I'll start with the first one, which is basically, where can we find you? What is your website or Twitter or anything else that you guys use for the company? What would that be? Yeah, you can find us, I would say Irvin, Adrian and myself on mybluebricks.com. And you can also shoot me a direct email at Christoph and that's C-H-R-I-S-T-O-P-H at mybluebricks.com. Uh, that's our website. We also are on social media, uh, Facebook and Instagram. Follow us there. We're regularly doing uh, cool updates about projects and everything that has to do with real estate investing. And otherwise, I mean, Araminta will probably post my email and my number in the show notes as well. That's no problem. Uh, so yeah, reach out. Always happy to connect. Always happy to talk about financial independence and real estate investing. One more place where you can find us, guys, is actually Meetup. So we're, like Araminta was saying in the beginning, that's actually where we met, right, Araminta? We're organizing uh, regular meetups in Barcelona. So meetup, I think it's uh, Real Estate Investors in Barcelona is our meetup group where you can also find us. I really love the community aspect of that. And that's also in the end what makes things strong. Christoph, if there's one resource that's not really well known within the real estate financial independence world that people can utilize or use as a tool or whatever you feel like is most applicable, what would you recommend people use? There's a couple of books that are really good on the Spanish market, and I'll share the titles with you guys so you can post it in the, in the show notes later. And then the uh, other resource that I often go to is tinsa.es. That's a data collaboration project, I would call it, partly by the Spanish government. And they have an amazing set of data about anything related to you know housing prices, with historical data as well, that really gives you a good insight on how those markets have developed over the past, where we're at right now, what markets might be interesting to look at for the future, and how you can leverage data that is just out there publicly available to make better decisions in terms of what projects you're going to do and what projects you're not going to do. So that's, I think, in terms of, you know, what people probably don't know, that would be one resource that I would recommend everybody to have a look at, tinsa.es. Perfect. We'll link it up. 
So last question, what is your number one actionable tip for someone to get started on their path to financial independence? Wake up early, plan your day and get yourself in the right mindset. I think that's really been key for me. I'm big on meditation. I'm big on yoga. I'm big on you know, doing my morning ritual. And I can really, really recommend everyone to seize the power of the morning and make use of it because you can program yourself in the morning to be at your best throughout the rest of the day. That means not standing up with any noise or any stress or having to rush to wherever you have to go in the morning. And reading, reading in the morning is such a good primer for having an inspirational day, at least for me. So that's those are the things that I would really say that make the, the difference for just creating the right mindset in terms of reaching financial independence rather sooner than later. Awesome. Well, Christoph, thank you very much. It's been really great to have you. Honestly, when I arrived in Barcelona like two months ago, I was like, oh God, I'm going to go to a Fi meetup. I don't know what, how are people going to be here. And it's been amazing to meet someone like you, like Oana, like the entire group. And real estate in Spain is really a great way to invest. I'm excited for your future plans. I'm going to keep track and maybe come to another Valencia trip. We'll see. But yeah, it's been really great. Alvar, are there any other questions you would like to add? No, I think we've got everything covered. Just want to say, Christoph, thank you so much. It's good to hear some positive real estate stories in Europe and not get <laughs> depressed over all the crazy overpriced and 2% yields that are available in Northern Europe. And there's still opportunity out there. Oh, yeah, there's always opportunity. Thank you guys as well for doing this. I think it's a really great job that you guys are doing, bringing all kinds of interesting people together in your podcast. Great resources, great go-to resource, which I definitely will spread the word about as well. And um, thanks for the thoughtful questions. We could probably go on for two more hours, but uh, Literally. let's keep it at that and definitely stay in touch. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. We hope you learned something new and enjoyed the show. You can support us by doing this subscribing through your favorite podcast program and leaving us a review following us on instagram and twitter at financial independence europe sending us an email with questions and feedback we would love to hear from you all the mentioned articles books and cool resources can be found in the show notes at financial-independence.eu thank you for listening and see you next time